What's going on, guys? This is Zoom Disputed Football. I'm Evan. No, no, I'm Nathan. So we're recording this. This is an hour before the trade deadline is officially finalized, but it does look like there's not going to be a ton of action, which is somewhat expected because of the pandemic that we have going on. But we're going to talk about some of the trades that didn't happen because those are the, the more exciting scenarios. So Sam Darnold going to be a Jet still. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, actually, Sam Darnold being a Jets, though, is actually not much of a surprise considering that the Jets right now are in tank mode. Um, obviously, they're going to be trying to go for Trevor Lawrence, which is the big, big pick in this year's draft class. But obviously, due to COVID concerns, a lot of trades weren't Most of the trades that we thought were going to happen probably wouldn't just because of the health and safety concerns and traveling from team to team and having to get tested. I feel like that was definitely a major concern. I also feel like the asking price, especially for a quarterback as good as Sam Darnold could potentially be, I feel like that might be a little too high, especially for other teams who are kind of um, either in a quarterback situation where they're in a win-now mode or just trying to get relieved of a veteran quarterback, kind of like what the Steelers or um, New Orleans Saints have with Drew mm -hmm. Brees and Ben Roethlisberger. But, um, yeah, not really too much of a surprise there, especially with all those COVID concerns. But, um I was really hoping that something would happen. I actually thought that a team like the Steelers or a team like the Saints would push a lot harder to get a quarterback like Sam Darnold because I truly believe he has the talent to take an organization that already has an established offense, but a quarterback who's kind of either on the decline or getting on the older side to take over and uh, maybe, you know, grow under their wing and get to the potential that we all, that a lot of people think he has. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it makes more sense for the Jets to keep him just because Sam Darnold's a very specific quarterback. If you get him, you're not trading for what he brings right now. It's a potential long-term value. He's still younger than Joe Burrow. He has an he has the opportunity to be good in the right, uh, right situation. But because of that, you know, a lot of the teams who are looking for future quarterbacks, a lot of them are hoping to get that those picks that you're talking about, you know, and it looks like the Jets probably get number one, but you know, it's not even just number one. Once you get to number two, you have Justin Fields. We still don't know exactly what the word is on Trey Lance, Zach Wilson from BYU, but there are there, there appears to be a lot of really good quarterbacks in this class. So a lot of the teams uh, who potentially could use quarterbacks in the future are kind of holding out, um, hoping they can get it from the draft because it would still be, it would be easier to draft a guy and then try to plug him in compared to trading for a guy. And you still don't know what the deal is with Darnold. And even if some of the stuff he's had to deal with, with those terrible offensive lines, some of the bad coaching there, how much of that can be fixed and how much he really does have. So it might be easier for those teams to try to draft guys, but I think that will up the price for him later on, because, you know, once you get past the first couple picks, you're not going to be able to get any of those blue chip quarterback prospects. So you talk about teams like the Steelers. We don't know if big Ben's going to come back after this season. We don't know about drew Brees. based off how he's playing. He really may not come back for another season. And so there are going to be a lot of teams that could potentially use him after this season, but I just don't think they know right now. Yeah, sure. I definitely agree with that. Like once you put it into that perspective, like there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this draft class. So obviously you don't want to maybe even, well, for a guy like Sam Darnold, I'm probably expecting the Jets wanting maybe a second, third round pick, possibly even a first, but I doubt that might be a little bit too high. But yeah, like you got the guy from BYU, obviously Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, probably one and two, but I'm pretty sure a lot of teams don't want to give up that draft prospects, especially with the draft class coming up. And then I also feel like a team like the Indianapolis Colts would be a really good fit with Phillip Rivers going on the getting closer and closer to retirement, especially with the young team that they're trying to develop over there. I feel like that'd be a really good fit for him, but it's just going to be interesting to see 
once uh, the draft is over and uh, once the season's over as well to see what happens with him. Yeah, for sure. And I think the Colts are actually a really good situation for Darnold. It would be pretty much the opposite of what he has in New York. Um, they don't have a ton of offensive weapons, but they have a really good offensive line, and I really like their coach. And those are two things he doesn't really have in New York. So that would that would be another place that'd be really nice for him. I don't think it can get much worse than the Jets for Darnold. Uh, oh, yeah, and you can't forget about that big old line they have with Quinn and Nelson. I mean, it's definitely, I feel like, the complete, like you said, the complete opposite and would only benefit Darnold. Yeah, for sure. And then so another quarterback, This he's kind of on the other side of the spectrum. We talked about Darnold as a, uh, you know, a win in the future kind of quarterback. He's not going to win you games now. You know, we're going to go to Matt Ryan, who's more of a win now quarterback, probably only has a couple more good years left in him. Doesn't look like he's on the move. This seemed always seemed a little bit more like a stretch, but you heard some rumblings about it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, with Matt Ryan, he's definitely going to be a win now quarterback if a trade were to ever happen. But to be honest with you, I don't see him wearing another uniform other than the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I, I feel like he still has the potential to be like a good, solid quarterback that would get you over the hunch, especially for teams that are just a quarterback away from making a, either a deep postseason run or maybe even making it to the Super Bowl. But honestly, just in the age range that he's at and with the connection that he has to the organization, I just don't see him going anywhere else. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, there there were some talks just because the Falcons, ever since their Super Bowl season, they've regressed. Like, and it's been slow, pretty slow. But now they're they're four years away. You know, it was four years ago when they made that Super Bowl, and each year they've slipped further and further down. And they're currently two and six. But I don't know if the, there was really a market for him. I mean, to give up a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who still is pretty good, and with what we're seeing with quarterbacks now, you can play. You know, into your late thirties, even early forties. And so he could have, you know, even more than a couple of years that we're giving him. But the only team that really would have made sense for like, you know, where Matt Ryan would be a substantial upgrade over what they currently have would be the Chicago Bears. But, you know, do you really think adding him to the Bears really makes them Super Bowl contenders still? Because you have to think about, first off, Matt Ryan's going from a dome to playing in the Windy City and his weapons are not nearly as good there as well. So I think... I think uh, that there was something that was kind of thrown out there, but it didn't ever really seem like that was going to happen. Yeah, no, I really didn't see any potential with any like trade. I don't even, I don't, I can't even put like a finger on like what his trade value would be in terms of like draft picks. I could maybe see them trade trading him for a defensive piece, considering how bad their secondary is over there in Atlanta. But um, with just with that organization itself, I just feel like they've gotten really unlucky, and I feel like they're just really. Um, they like the pieces they have, but obviously their record doesn't show a good team. But if you really look into detail, all, all the games they've had, they've lost due to either one play or just one mistake or one bad decision. So I feel like that front office staff feels like they have a pretty solid team. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then also, like, if you are trading a guy like Matt Ryan, that is you fully committing to a rebuild. You know, you're trading your franchise quarterback. That's that's it. So then you probably get rid of Julio then because that's another older guy who probably, you know, that's not going to be guys there for the rebuilding phase of things. So I think, you know, you can't really do like partial rebuilds, especially with the quarterback. And so I think it's good that the Falcons are at least sticking with him for now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely agree. Like like you said, once he's gone, that just means you're in full rebuild mode. And I just don't think that that organization is ready for that just yet. I feel like they have to kind of sort of just plan it out and not just go halfway through. So then moving on to another story, we talked about quarterback situation in Chicago. So Nick Foles came in. He was supposed to be when he replaced Mitchell Trubisky midway through week three, had a great game against the Falcons to win that game. That was one of the Falcons collapses. 
But ever since that game, he's really struggled. The offensive line's banged up. They're going to be missing potentially three starters for the next couple of weeks. Do you consider putting in a guy like Mitchell Trubisky who is more mobile so he can at least scramble a little bit more because they're going to be under pressure with all the guys that they're missing? As a Bears fan, I always had thought that Mitch Trubisky was the guy in the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Like coming into the season and when we picked up Nick Foles and signed him, I really didn't think that he was going to be the starting quarterback. I just thought that he was just going to be a guy that's going to help Mitch Trubisky develop give him a little challenge and give him that better presence that he needed to take it to the next level. But in all honesty with you, especially with Nick Foles and the games that he's had the past couple of games, I'm really regretting Matt, Matt Nagy's decision of making him the starting quarterback and take, benching Mitch Trubisky. Like I always thought that Mitch Trubisky had the potential to develop into what he was, but I just don't think Matt Nagy has the ability to create an offense that tailors towards his skills, his skill set. And obviously, at the beginning of the season, everybody thought that signing Nick Foles, that he would be the answer to all the problems and that this offense would generate a lot more productivity and get better. But these past couple of games hasn't shown you that at all. And the only man to blame right now is Matt Nagy. And so but this is what this is just showing to, to everyone, not only Bears fans, but to the entire NFL, is, is that Mitch Trubisky wasn't really the problem here. It's just that the offense cannot seem to be productive and create points. For, for sure. And if you look at what happened when Matt Nagy first took over as head coach in 2018, the Bears went 12 and four, but the offense was ranked in the 20th in terms of just total like yardage points, all of that. But he was not bad. The offense was fine. But the reason why the offense has regressed so much is, you know, so much in this league is about being able to adjust and adapt. And that's one of the reasons Bill Belichick has been such a great coach. He's always been one oh, step yeah. ahead of everyone else. And when the teams got film on Matt Nagy, because his first season, teams didn't really know what he did as a play caller. But once teams got film, it became very easy. And you could see, you know, they didn't have an identity all year last year on um, offensively. And it wasn't just Mitchell Trubisky that got worse. And that's what kind of tells you who the main problem is. Because if just Mitchell Trubisky regressed, then yes, you know, you can pin a lot of that on Mitch. And at the end of the day, you know, there is something, there definitely does have to be some blame that goes to Mitchell Trubisky. But when you talk about an offensive line regressing the way that they did from 2018 to 2019, wide receivers being top three in the league in drops, the running game being non-existent, and you brought a coach in to be the offensive guru and all that's happening, you know, that really tells you that there's a lot more going on. And when it comes to Nick Foles, he was supposed to, you know, the thing is we kind of felt like we knew what Mitchell Trubisky was, which he was inconsistent. He had some good moments, but they just, there weren't enough of them. And Nick Foles has been consistently bad ever since that Atlanta game. And that was one of the things Trubisky was consistently below average. He wasn't great. You know, he had a couple, he had a couple nice games every now and then, but he was consistently, you know, mediocre. But when you're watching Nick Foles, ever since that Atlanta game, he really hasn't played very well. And the offense doesn't move very well with him. And with the current state of the offensive line, you know, you're going to have to have some mobility because you're going to be getting chased out of the pocket. I don't think it's in your best interest to stick with Nick Foles for much longer. Yeah, I definitely would agree. I feel like Matt Nagy should just go into that locker room admit to his mistakes and bring Mitch Trubisky back. Like referencing that 2018 season that you mentioned, like ever since then, the Bears offense have produced on average 16 point something points a game. Like in an offensive league right now where teams are averaging over 20 plus points a game, that is, has, that number has just been on decline ever since 2018. And to average only 16 points is completely ridiculous. And obviously um, you can't, fully blame everything on just Mitchell Trubisky or Matt Nagy because injuries have been a factor. Wide receivers have been dropping passes. Our offensive line is not no top tier offensive line. So everybody has parts to blame. 
in some aspect. But when you have an offensive, some coach who's supposed to be some offensive guru and take this team to the next level, like nothing has improved. Like, and if I'm being honest with you, that 28 season just is beginning to look more and more like a fluke. And everybody knows, especially Chicago Bears fans, that it was this defense that carried us through that season. And it's been the defense who's been carrying us these past two seasons. And with even with Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky, nothing has improved. So I just feel like if you're going to put in Nick Foles, who isn't as mobile or more elusive as Mitchell Trubisky, I feel like you're just um, worsening your team. So I feel like Mitchell Trubisky, putting back Mitchell Trubisky would be our best bet to win any games because I don't know if you saw that Saints game, but Nick Foles moving out of the pocket was almost non-existent. It was like he just held the ball for too long. And it, it, it's just Nick Foles wasn't able to generate plays that I knew Mitch Trubisky would with his feet. And I just feel like once you have that mobile quarterback, you have a lot more opportunities to create some offense. Exactly. And I, I don't know if the 2018 team, I would call it fluke, but you do have to look at and say, is that sustainable? Because they were a good defense then. They're still a good defense now. But the amount of turnovers they were generating, it was at a ridiculous rate. It was almost two and a half turnovers a game, which is ridiculous if you think about it. And then you talk about the amount of times they were scoring and it really, it set up the offense and it helped the offense because they constantly had short fields. And then teams would trail more. And so when teams are trailing, they have to be more aggressive, which also led to more turnovers. And now teams have kind of understood that they don't have to respect the bears offense. And so they play a style that is much safer. So it's more difficult for the bears to get turnovers because they understand that's really what keeps the bears in these games. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like, like you mentioned that, that season where there's just turnover after turnover, short field position, that defense just helped establish a better position for the offense and obviously teams are watching the tape and understanding that that defense is um very elusive and could create plays for the offense so they're obviously playing either the short game the running game not generating a lot of deep balls where players like um eddie jackson or kyle fuller can just hop balls and take 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 it away for turnovers so yeah it's just an adjustment game and obviously the bears haven't adjusted um in terms of their offense to to you know take it to the next level and not just have the defense carry them the whole way then we're going to move on from a former number two pick to another former number two pick with the eagles and carson wentz so carson wentz it's been a while now he's really struggling and the eagles are in first place you can you know take that for what what it's worth because it's the nfc east but are you starting to get concerned do you think they're the eagles should start looking into benching carson wentz Honestly, I feel like it is time. Like, I'm so sad because coming out of that draft, I really thought Carson Wentz was going to be the next big quarterback of the league. But obviously, after that ACL injury, he just hasn't been the same. And this season, he's just overthrowing people, underthrowing guys. It seems like he's kind of scared, holding on to the ball too long. Like, I, I don't know what's going on with him or what that organization. Obviously, they've had a lot of injuries on that team, so... I'm obviously maybe going to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt with that O-line being completely like just gone and a lot of wide receivers being injured this season. So he has a little bit of an excuse there, but just from what I've seen these past couple of games, it just doesn't seem like he's comfortable at the position. And I feel like moving over to Jalen Hurts might give you a little bit more of an edge. He's a lot. I feel like he's going to be a little bit more confident, mobile, as long as you like build a scheme or make a playbook that works to him and what he did over there in Oklahoma, I feel like he be a little bit more successful you know I actually because 
I, after a couple of weeks, I was like, it's okay. You know, cause we know we have a large enough sample size of Carson Wentz to say, we know that he's pretty good. He's going to turn it around. And for a couple of weeks, you know, he'll have a good game or two, but then he'll go back to that. And, you know, now we're halfway through the season and we still haven't seen consistent good play from him. And it's not just turnovers. It's just, even when his incompletions are inaccurate, you know, he's just ha- having like, he is as bad as the stats show, which isn't always the case for certain guys, but the reason why I think the Eagles should probably stick with him for at least now is I feel like he's their best shot of winning right now. Um, you know, obviously not him playing the way that he currently is, but I feel like you put in Jalen Hurts, you give him the current supported cast with the Eagles completely banged up. It's really a glorified practice squad. And then that offensive line, I just don't know if that's in your best interest to throw a rookie quarterback out like that. And the Eagles are a team that they can kind of afford to take their time because of how bad this division is. Uh, you know, so I feel like they can, you know, and after maybe, you know, in a, a few weeks you do, if Wentz continues to struggle, you do think about going to Hertz, but I'm not ready yet to go to him just because I feel like Wentz right now gives you a better chance at winning because we know, we know Wentz can be good. And even though it has been a long enough period of time that we've seen him struggle, that there are some question marks, you have to realize, you know, you have this guy in a long-term contract and, you know, he's, he's locked up on contract until 2024. And they're paying him a lot of money. And so if you bench him now, are you benching him for the rest of his time in Philly? Like, I don't know. I don't know what you do then because you still have him for the next few years. Then you try to deal him. They do have a potential out after 2022. And so that's the biggest thing that worries me because this isn't a Mitchell Trubisky situation where you can bench Mitch and then he can leave after this year and you never have to deal with him again. And that's where if you bench him, what do you do? You have this guy making 30 million a year sitting on the bench. Yeah, no, like that's the first thing that came to mind when when it when I thought about benching him or not. Like I feel like it's the best move in terms of the team to bench him, but in terms of actually making that move and have 30,000 30 million dollars sitting on the bench, I don't think that's something the Eagles organization wants to happen. So because of that, I don't think the move is going to happen, but I think what's best for the organization is for it to happen because I feel like you mentioned that um, with the NFC East being so bad that they don't have time to switch quarterbacks and figure things out. I actually think the exact opposite. I think no. I was saying they have time. They have time to figure it out. Oh, okay. So I'm saying with I'm saying with Wentz, you don't. You're in no hurry. There's no need to switch quarterbacks right this second because you can afford. You know, like it's not like they have no room for air. They can. They still have a little bit of space, especially just with how bad all those other teams are, and that they aren't really going to get much better. Okay. Yeah. Then I definitely, okay. Then I would agree with you there. I, uh, I kind of misinterpreted that, but I feel like giving Jalen Hurts the opportunity to get the, out there on the field, especially with how bad the NFC East right now with the Cowboys and Eagles being at the top of the division. And then with a team like Washington and New York, like those teams aren't getting any better. Like that division is completely trash, but if you give J- I feel like if you put Jalen Hurts out there and let's say he does do bad, okay, then just go back to Wentz. We know who Wentz is and what he does as a quarterback. Let's say like, if you don't, don't you think that would do a lot of don't you think that would do a lot of damage though to Wentz where it's like you know because a lot of this has to be mental because I refuse to believe that at age 27 all the talent he had just completely evaporated I feel like a lot of this is mental and I'm worried that if you pull him now the toll that would take on his confidence and especially because this guy still is probably your long-term guy I'm um, I feel like it definitely, like you said, it is mental. And if he does get benched, it just depends on the kind of person he is. I obviously don't know Carson Wentz personally, but I feel like if you're benched uh, at the end of the day, the NFL is a business and the organization is just trying to do what's best for them. And these past couple of games, 
or his struggles and his inconsistency hasn't shown me that he has what it takes to to take a potential playoff team in a deep run in the in into the playoffs. So obviously it's going to be up to him what it, what he takes from being benched or not. I do think it might affect him negatively just because obviously you do, you're a starting quarterback in the NFL and you don't want to lose the job. But him, I think he has good enough character to where he'll he'll take it and be able to help Jalen Hurts develop and give him that giving Jalen Hurts that playing time out of the get go and just. Um, being a men- mentor or an apprentice of Carson Wentz and learning from him, I feel like it'd be a good fit. And like, obviously with all these injuries, getting um, Jalen Hurts as many reps out there with an, with an organization that he's eventually going to take over. I feel like there's no harm in putting him in now, especially with them being in a playoff position and with a, a division being so weak. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I get that point too. And I do, like I said, you know, you do have to be a little concerned about it because it is, it is a large enough sample size where you do have to start to wonder, is this, is this the quarterback that Carson Wentz is becoming? Like, is this not, is this more than just, you know, a few game thing, but I I just think long-term, I mean, either way, I don't see the Eagles doing a ton of damage in the playoffs. You know, the hope is, is they get, they get healthier. Uh, Maybe the line improves a little bit and that can help them out as well, but certainly it, it is a little bit concerning. Then another team, that there are a lot of concerns with the 49ers. So they were already banged up to begin with Nick Bosa done, done for the year. Solomon Thomas done for the year. Richard Sherman's been battling injuries. George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo are now done for at least the foreseeable future. Uh, I think based off of what it sounds like, I don't think we'll see Kittle again and we probably won't see Garoppolo for a, a four to five weeks at least. Yeah, no, that organization has just had the worst luck when it has come to injuries this year. Obviously they're coming off a of Super Bowl and they've, basically have the same team that they had last year and I really thought they they were just going to keep on going and uh, turn the page from losing the Super Bowl and just have another big big run and have a really good team this year but injuries have completely decimated them they're losing all their top talent I mean props to Kyle Shanahan for doing as much as he could with what he has because they're still winning football games even when George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo were out I really thought that they were just going to be a really garbage team but Obviously, he has a really good offensive mind, and he has that team uh, to where they pick up one another, and they've been able to pull through. I mean, yes, they've lost they've lost games, but I feel like even though they've had a lot of damage to them personnel-wise, they're still trying to do what they can to win football games, and I definitely give them props for that. But, yeah, just, just terrible news just coming every week from that organization with all those injuries. I really feel bad for them. I really thought they were going to um, come back off that Super Bowl loss and um, go for redemption. For sure. And Shanahan, like you mentioned, he's a good enough coach. I think Shanahan, you know, he knows how to get his guys in space. He knows how to work with guys. But, you know, in that division, like, and the odds were stacked against them to begin with, you know, after their first batch, their first wave of injuries. But especially now, when you look at the Seahawks, we know are good. We know the Cardinals are good. The Rams, I know they didn't play very well last week, but I think we know they're a pretty good team it's going to be really difficult for the Niners to do anything. And it's really just an unfortunate scenario because they were more than talented enough. And every year, you know, there's a team or two that just kind of gets screwed over by injuries. And that's really what happened. There's not a ton you can really do about it if you are the Niners. But I think at this point, I, you know, George Kittle could be play, cleared to play by week 16 to 17. I don't think you mess with it. I think you do consider shutting down Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I know he did struggle this year, so maybe if you can get him fully healthy, bring him out there for the last couple of weeks, but I just don't know what the long-term value in that is. But yeah, I guess if you're the Niners, you might as well, you know, just take this season and, you know, kind of rebuild with it. Yeah, no, for sure. Especially in a vision like that, I definitely think it's going to be the, 
the Seahawks and Cardinals one and two to take that division. Like that division is definitely the one of the best in the NFL. And yeah, I think it probably is the best. Oh yeah, for sure. That that division is every game when they have division games, like it's a like must see TV. Like especially that last game with the Seahawks and Cardinals, probably top game of the year so far. But um, yeah, no. In terms of like the 49ers and having um, Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle returning at the end of the season, I just don't think that team's going to be in a position to where they actually have any chance of making it into the playoffs. Especially if making it into the playoffs means um, winning the division. Like the like they have to play the Seahawks twice, Cardinals twice, the Rams twice, and um, I just don't see them being in a position to where they have the potential to make the playoffs at the end of the season. So I feel like this is the last we'll see of Kittle and Garoppolo this season. Yeah, you're you're probably right there, and yeah, it's just that division. I mean, all four of those teams would be easily the best team in the NFC East. Maybe you could argue the Niners with all these injuries. Maybe they're not as good as the Eagles, like right now from a current roster standpoint. But man, like, yeah, that that division, like that division, is loaded, and I think that's one of the reasons why they had a lot less room for error than any other team. I think that goes for all the teams in that division, and that's why. I don't think there's going to be a team from the NFC West that finishes like 14 or two or anything like that, because all those teams play each other so much that I think it's going to lead to, you know, I think the winner of that division probably finishes like 12 and four. Uh, Then, so we are midway through the season. So there is some talk mid season MVP. Who do you got? Right now? I know the top two candidates are probably between Ross and Patrick Mahomes, but I'm going to go with former Super Bowl. I mean, MVP or reigning Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes like the season that he's had with 24 touchdowns and what like one or two interceptions like that's absolutely ridiculous obviously I know a guy like Russell Wilson has more touchdowns but he has significantly more interceptions and just the offense that the Chiefs have I just feel like it's just destined for him to win yet another MVP like obviously Andy Reid and his offense is just probably the most stacked offense out there in the NFL um, I definitely see Patrick Mahomes improving, like especially with the stat line that he has currently midway through the season. He's on his way to over like 4,500 yards, 40 plus touchdowns and only two interceptions. Like that's ridiculous. Like those numbers just speak MVP. So I definitely have him as my top candidate midway through the season. So if we were doing player of the year, I'd go Patrick Mahomes. But if we take and no one does this, but if we took MVP that term literally, who is the yes. most valuable player to their team? Who's the most valuable to their team's success? I think you have to go with Russell Wilson because from just a roster standpoint, if you take Russell Wilson off of that team, they are nothing. And you look, the one game he didn't play well, and he wasn't even that bad against the Cardinals. I know he had turnovers, but throughout the game, he played pretty well. They lost the game because he didn't play great. They need him to go off. And you saw what happened against the Cowboys. Like they almost lost to the Cowboys. They almost lost to some teams that aren't that great but it's because their roster itself is not that good. And when I look at Patrick Mahomes, he has a lot of touchdowns and he's played very well, but they've also, they've been able to run the ball really well with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You know, they haven't asked Mahomes to, you know, just completely sling it. And Mahomes is one of those guys where if you had him pass it, you know, all the time, he could easily put together, you know, 5,000 plus yards every single season. And he could still even get that this year. But I just feel like if we're talking who is the most valuable to their team, I think, and I, I mean, obviously you take Mahomes off the chiefs and they're not nearly as good either, but when you look at what the surround what's surrounding Wilson um, and specifically, you know, the defense and the run game, I think he has some decent receivers. I just think Wilson is a much more essential piece to the Seahawks than any other player in football right now. I mean, I'm not going to take any credit away from Russell Wilson. I definitely think he is the centerpiece of that organization and of that offense. He's definitely, 
definitely, like I said, top two in, in I feel like he's going to be either number one or obviously top two in, in voting, but I just can't see anybody having a better year than Patrick Mahomes, especially with the offense that he has and with the offensive mentality that Andy Reid has with his creativity and style. Like, I just think that the organization is set up to be successful. But I also feel like in terms of your definition, I feel like a sleeper that you would have to come into the conversation is Ben Roethlisberger. Like, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger didn't play last season, and they were 8-8. Eight and eight. And this year, they're an astounding 7-0, and oh, haven't lost the game. This man has 15 touchdowns and over 1,600 yards. Like, I feel like he is crucial to the success of the Steelers organization mm-hmm. this year. Obviously, they have a top-tier defense, and their defense is one of, if not the best in the league. So that's definitely helping them out a lot. But when you have Ben Roethlisberger in there and making players like Chase Claypool and um, with Juju Smith-Schuster out there as your wide receivers, he's definitely um, had a big factor in terms of their success this year. So I feel like when you bring your definition into the mix, I feel like as a sleeper pick this year, Ben Roethlisberger is somebody that you have to be talking about. Yeah, Roethlisberger certainly wins comeback player of the year. And the Steelers, you know, they do have a really good defense and they have some great weapons to give him. But he's really changed how he's played this season, which I think is really helpful for them because coming into this season, Ben Roethlisberger was really known. As you look at his last full season in 2018, had over 5,000 yards, had 34 touchdowns, also had 16 interceptions. And the one thing that he has cut down on, he had one get bad game against Tennessee where he did have three interceptions. But he has embraced a lot more of just taking a lesser role in that offense and kind of allowing the playmakers because he has some great playmakers at wide receiver. He's allowed them to kind of do their thing and he's allowed the defense to really play well. I mean, cause the, really the one thing that could hurt the Steelers is if Roethlisberger does try to do too much, tries to, th- you know, tries to make these crazy throws, turns the ball over and then gives, you know, the, the opposing offense a short field to work with. And so I think he's done a really good job of changing his role as he's gotten older. Cause that was my biggest concern is, you know, how does a gunslinger like him, work coming off a major surgery and so it looks like he's figured out a new way to play and the Steelers look about as dangerous as any team I don't know if I'm picking anyone over Kansas City but Roethlisberger has made a huge impact this year oh yeah for sure like you said definitely comeback player of the year but in terms of like valuable to the organization he's definitely a name that comes to mind right away obviously he had that one bad game like you said against the Titans but this man's averaging like two point something touchdowns a game uh, averaging a little bit over um, 200 yards a game. So definitely his stats speak for how successful he has been this year. And just with his name, like you said, with it, <clears throat> with the new role in terms of his position and how he plays the game, he's definitely benefited from that so much. And obviously I highly appreciate Mike Tomlinson. Like I feel like he's very undervalued as a head coach and not p- many people talk about him, but I just feel like his ability to coach players and, bring the best out of who they are has definitely benefited that offense and that organization in general. So um, he's definitely somebody that I would look at in terms of MVP, but overall the Steelers have just been in, have had an insane season. Their defense is definitely top tier and their offense is just like right behind them. But again, I'm just going to go with my guy, Patrick Mahomes. He's obviously probably the, the best football player right now, in my opinion. So there's no way I can root against him or that chiefs organization coming out of that AFC. Okay, so then that about wraps up for today. We'll be back next week to talk about week nine. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was a good episode, Evan. Um, Mom, for anybody listening, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Zoom Disputed. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Nate Esco. Evan, you want to share your socials with the people? Uh, at ebruner23. I don't post, so don't even bother. <laughs>
Well, uh, it was good talking to you, man, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, we'll see you guys.